All right, we'll have the Go Ye Kids go. And let's take our outline tonight. A little different format than we have been using here. And uh, we will follow through. We have come through harmony of the Gospels. We are up now to uh, where we ended was Friday afternoon, uh, just before sunset, as Jesus entered uh, the town of Bethany. And, uh, excuse me, and then the Sabbath would have happened. Jesus would have rested on the Sabbath day. Let's go to... John chapter 12, if we might. Um, It says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised uh, from the dead, there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. It says, Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying, has she kept this? For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom... He raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. And so here we have John's account. Uh, Passover, I mean, Sabbath would have ended. It started Friday at sunset, would have ended Saturday at sunset. After sunset, they would have prepared the dinner. Uh, I always like to point out as we get to this point, Martha served. She was serving the dinner. There were no complaints this time. She was doing what she was, what she did best and serving the Lord. Lazarus sat there at the table and of course, he was one of the centers of attention. Now, just think about this. This is the Sabbath before the Passover. And the chief priests in Jerusalem are planning for Passover. I mean, the biggest uh, celebration of the year. And they're trying to figure out how they can kill Jesus. And they think that they probably ought to get Lazarus too. Because many of the people that used to meet with us and plot with us about Jesus' death now believe on Jesus because of this thing that he did with Lazarus. And the insanity of this whole thing, how could you have someone dead for four days and then brought back to life and not be God? I mean, how, how could you do that? And yet, their, their choice... Uh, had already been uh, 
built in here, it was, it was just impossible for them to even uh, believe that uh, Jesus was God. It was, it was maddening. And then Mary, the single most incredible act of worship represented in the Bible, she takes that ointment of spikenard. It says here, 300 pence, that was easily a year's wages. I mean, think of a year's salary. How many of you filled out your W-2 or or your 1040 here? Uh, Take that entire amount and use it on one night that doesn't buy anything. That's what Mary did to worship Jesus. And here we have Judas. This seems to be the trigger the, the, the thing that puts Judas into motion to finally uh, betray the Lord. He, he, he has obviously never been a true servant of the Lord. The Bible calls him the son of perdition. Yet it was this act of worship. And I, I will tell you that uh, when if you want protection... From the devil, worship the Lord. Uh, don't go around hiring soothsayers and all of these things. Please don't give any credence. You, you do not solve the problem. You do not fight the devil by fighting the devil. It says, whom resists steadfast how? In the faith. If you want to fight the devil, be obedient to the Lord. Worship God. Lift up the name of Jesus. What Mary was saying was that just the person of Jesus being in this room, some said that this would have been her life savings. This would have been everything that she had. She just gave it to Jesus in a way that only He could use it and I, I do want to, to, to take a moment here. Uh, Mark tells us that wherever this gospel is going to be preached, this story is going to be told of a testimony for her. That as Jesus would go through the crucifixion, when the men would smite him, chances are those few days later that the smell of that ointment would still be there. As she poured it on him, she anointed him. Jesus said, she's done this for my uh, burying. Then the next morning would have been the final entry into Jerusalem of the uh, participants for the upcoming Passover feast. It would have been just a mob uh, of Jewish people from all over the world. And this was the day, this would have been Sunday that Jesus chose to enter the city of Jerusalem. We call it the triumphal entry. The prophecy said that Jesus would enter through, or the Messiah would enter through the eastern gate. And uh, it's interesting, we've just finished our thing on dispensational Bible study, and, and uh, many dispensationalists try to teach that Jesus presented the kingdom to Israel, and Israel rejected the kingdom. Uh, I want to challenge you 
that's really not proper thinking because the Jewish people shouted Hosanna. Remember what the Pharisees said? They said, perceive ye not how the whole world is going after him? The, uh, they were worshiping him and calling him the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. But just a few days later, many of those same people would be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be upon us and upon our children. And, of course, the um, Anti-Defamation League and all of that, they say that the Bible is an anti- the New Testament is an anti-Semitic book. And yet, any person that believes in the Bible understands that Jesus did not die just, for, uh, just because of the Jewish people. Can we say amen to that? Jesus died for every one of us. And every one of us are equally guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way he could pay the price for our sins. And so don't allow anyone to attempt to use the Bible as an anti-Jewish book. It is a thoroughly Jewish book. Its authors are all Jewish by heritage. The New Testament authors, of course, are Jewish by heritage and believers in Jesus Christ as the Messiah of the Jews. In fact, Jesus' prophecy, which has yet to be fulfilled in the kingdom, is that the twelve apostles, we're not quite sure who that twelfth one will be because of Judas. Uh, uh, my, my understanding is it will be the one that the disciples picked. Uh, to fill Judas's place, will sit on twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel during the millennial kingdom. So we have no conflict in our scriptures. Uh, on Sunday, Jesus enters. The scripture references are there. Matthew gives us the details that there was both a donkey and a colt. And that Jesus would have sat on the donkey, put his feet on the back of the colt, and so it would have been like a moving throne down the mountainside into the city of Jerusalem. And people, of course, uh, they cut the palm branches and put them on the street and uh, to keep the dust down. This was a uh, sign that uh, uh, done for royalty that they would not get dust upon them as they entered the city. People cast their coats on the donkey and the colt and, of course, even on the ground there, so that as Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem through the eastern gate, he proclaimed himself as the Messiah. He ascended into the temple and he healed the sick and the blind. The children were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. If Jesus would have proclaimed himself king, don't you think everyone there would have followed him at this point? Absolutely. So we find even in dispensational teaching, we find some faulty reasoning there. And we're not going to uh, just continue uh, believing whatever is written in their books when we have to believe what is written in the Bible. Besides, what did Jesus pray in the garden? Father, not thy will, but not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus had already told the disciples he came to die. 
He, he had already prophesied his death and resurrection. And we understand that without the resurrection, we of all men are most hope, hopeless. There is no hope in Jesus Christ aside from the resurrection. Jesus, in order to fulfill the prophecies, had to die. It was not because of the rejection of the Jewish people as their king. Uh, it, and that would be a point most of you wouldn't even be there, but it's it's just fresh in my mind because of reading all the dispensational books and things. And, and I, I do want to make sure that we understand that just because they call it dispensational, write it in a book, doesn't mean that we believe it. We believe the Bible. It is the sole authority for all of what we believe and uh, so uh, Jesus, on that first day, cast out the, those that sold the uh, sacrifices. Mark tells us he did that on Monday, the next day as well. Well, do you think those guys who were selling the sacrifices were going to miss the Passover? Uh, let me tell you something. They, they went back and set up shop. The next day, just as if it had never happened, and Jesus threw him out again. Jesus was trying to make the temple a place of worship. But to the Jewish people, it was nothing more than a place of business. When we talk about that, we're talking about the Sadducees, the scribes. It was the place. Uh, you know, it was uh, Karl Marx that says, religion is the opiate of the masses. The, the, those that controlled the temple controlled the Jewish people, their sediments, their traditions. This is why after Jesus resurrected from the dead, it was coming from the temple. That's where Paul was sent out uh, to persecute the Christians. Uh, that's why it soon became uh, their laws that if anybody talked positively about Jesus, he was put out of the synagogues and and made uh, technically or or legally a non-Jew. And we have this great division. They say, we control what is Jewish and what is not Jewish. And yet, what did Paul say in the book of Galatians? The true Jewish people were those that believe in the God of Abraham and in the fulfillment of the God's promises to Abraham in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that does not mean that a person of Jewish descent does not have a place, a special uh, note in the Bible. We're going to see Israel return during the tribulation. They are going to understand. They're going to have every opportunity as they're taking advantage of today to prove that Jesus isn't their Messiah. But when the Antichrist desecrates the temple, commits the abomination of desolation, the Jewish people as a people, those that believe in the Bible at all, will have to come to understand. They will not, they will not have any other options left that the only person in all of history who could possibly be their Messiah is the Jesus of Nazareth that the New Testament talks about. That's the coming day. But 
on this day, as we go back in history to the last week, they were confounded, they were frustrated about uh, all of these things that Jesus was doing. And so then Jesus teaches in the temple. He retires back to Bethany, back probably to the same house where they had the feast, where Mary had anointed him. And we have a lot of people making a big deal about the cursing of the fig tree. You see, as we read the story, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and he saw the leaves. Those that are supposed to know these things tell us that if a fig tree has leaves, it has fruit. And figs are not like apples. Uh, A fig can be eaten at any time after it appears on, on the vine. It can be eaten green, it can be eaten ripe, it can be eaten anywhere in between. Uh, if you eat green apples that aren't green apples, I mean unripe apples, you're going you're gonna to suffer consequences. It's, it's not a pleasant thing. Uh, but figs are not that way, and Jesus found this tree with leaves, but there was no fruit, and he cursed it. It says the next day, you see... That we have two days teaching in the temple. Jesus came in on, on Sunday, the triumphal entry. He would have thrown out the money changers. He healed people. He went to Bethany. He came back Monday morning. That's when he cursed the fig tree. He taught all day in the temple. These were when the questions came up about the tithing and, I mean, giving to Caesar and uh, the question about the one wife that had had seven different husbands and who she was going to marry in the resurrection. And, and all of these attempts, uh, if you could just see the level of intensity going on in the temple compound with the chief priest, they were the Sadducees. Then you had the Pharisees, and and these people were... uh, Then on top of that, you had the scribes who were the copiers of the law and the lawyers uh, who interpreted the law. You had all of these groups coming together with the Herodians. Now, normally the Herodians would not be allowed. These were, as we talked about this morning, uh, the Herodians would have been in the public and in sinner crowd. They cared not for the things of the temple other than a little show. They were the followers of Herod. The same Herod grandfather that had murdered the babies at Bethlehem and then the wicked son and now the wicked grandson was there. Uh, And these people followed and pledged their authority to Herod and to Rome. And yet here we have them convening with the priests and the most religious group, the Pharisees, the copiers of the law, the lawyers, the whole week of Passover, they were plotting the death of Jesus. Could you imagine anything more opposite of what they should have been doing? And so as they tried to tempt Jesus, then we have Wednesday... This would have been the day that they ate the Passover. 
how I came up with this, and, and I'll admit that it's childish, and if any scholar wants to, he could tear this whole thing apart, I guess. They have all their little tricks that they do. But uh, the Catholic uh, chronology is triumphal entry on Sunday, teaching on Monday, Tuesday, and then you have what they call Maudy Wednesday. Now, what the word Maudy means, I've never looked it up. I really don't care uh, because it didn't exist. But they call it Silent Wednesday because nothing happened on Wednesday. And then Thursday, they ate the Passover. The trial began Thursday night. Jesus was crucified on Friday and buried, and they get three days from Friday afternoon to Sunday morning. Now, that'd be great if you could do that with your paycheck, but uh, I think you'd have a hard time trying to convince your boss to pay you for three days' wages uh, from Friday afternoon to Sunday morning, wouldn't you? Uh, it'd be just hard to do. And But if we'll just do this... If we take out Silent Wednesday, move everything back one day, everything fits right in line. There are some people that believe Jesus was crucified on Wednesday. The only problem with that is you have four nights. Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. Well, Jesus came out, then they say Jesus came out of the ground Saturday night. And yet, we know Sunday in the Jewish reckoning starts at sundown. But again, they're going to the same extremes the Friday people go, just trying to prove something different. If we have Jesus going in the tomb Thursday afternoon, you got Thursday day, Friday day, Saturday day. You got Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. You have three days, three nights, and you don't have to do anything fantastic to get it. And the uh, the eating of the Passover would have been Wednesday in the evening. It would have been after that that Jesus would have went to the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed for three hours, and then he was arrested, and the trials would have been very late at night, into the next morning. In fact, they just finished as the sun had been coming up. Uh, Brother Mack was here several years ago, and he did a, uh, a little study. Uh, I just remember, because these things interest me greatly, how that uh, he went through the Jewish traditions and how that the scribes and the Pharisees broke every law and every tradition that's in their Mishnah and Talmuds in the trial of Jesus Christ. Every one of them. A criminal was not supposed to be tried at night. Uh, a, ca- a criminal up for capital crimes. They were, the Sanhedrin there was supposed to send runners out through the city uh, asking for witnesses to um, uh, come and testify on behalf of the condemned. Uh, there, there were many things that were supposed to have been done if there was collusion if there was any evidence that the witnesses were manufacturing a story, if there was disagreement with their testimony, the case was supposed to be completely thrown out. And yet, everything that they said and had in place to set up 
a fair and legal trial was broken when they did Jesus' trial. And the thing I like to put out is in Acts, as the disciples faced their first persecution from these same people, they said, let's just go there and read that verse. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, I believe it is. I didn't write down the reference here, but I do want to take just a minute. Acts chapter 4, and verse 28 is the, let's do verse 27 as well. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. Now verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Do you see how the disciples looked at all of these things after they were fulfilled? Not during. This was after. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. we say. Well, they understood finally after the resurrection that what Jesus was telling them was fulfilling the love and the holiness of God. The crucifixion was God's plan from before the foundation of the earth that Jesus offered himself through the eternal spirit to God the Father to pay the price for our sins. Amen? And if you'll stop and think about it, the Passover, they were supposed to um, lay their hands on the sacrifice, symbolizing the transfers of their guilt to the animal. Whenever they had a sin sacrifice, they were to lay their hands on the sacrifice and confess the sin that the sacrifice was for. And the servants and some of the Sanhedrin laid their hands on Jesus, not as they would normally in the temple on the sacrifice, a symbolic thing. They slapped him and they beat him and they pulled his beard out and they uh, cursed him and they told, asked him, they blindfolded him and said, if you're really God, tell us who hit you. And yet the Bible tells us he knew the number of hairs that was on each of their heads. And he kept his mouth shut. Why? Isaiah 53 It pleased the Father to bruise him. Because without him suffering in our place, we would have no hope. So Wednesday night, the trials began. Thursday would have been the day of crucifixion. He would have been in the tomb Friday. And they talk about the Sabbath. And yet, during the Passover week, you have... Passover, then seven days of unleavened bread, and there would have been more than one Sabbath during the uh, Passover uh, uh, celebration. And Saturday would have been the full Sabbath. Sunday morning, as the sun came up, Sabbath would have been over. They, they were going 
to anoint the body with spices because they had not been able to do so the way they wanted on uh, Thursday night, and the tomb was empty. Now, we're not going to try to get into all of the resurrection events. Uh, We'll do that, Lord willing, next uh, Sunday evening. But uh, what we have here is a... A chronology, a timetable that you can look at. The scripture references are here. And uh, it just simply tells us that Jesus went to Bethany. The um, He would have gotten there Friday before Sabbath, rested the Sabbath day, the supper, Saturday night. Triumphal entry, Sunday morning, two days in the temple, Monday, Tuesday. All of the events of preparing for the Passover, Wednesday, which, uh, if if we understand the Bible, took a whole day to get ready for the Passover in the evening. And then we have the events of the betrayal, the crucifixion, the burial, three days, three nights, the resurrection on Sunday morning. And... We cover a great deal of our New Testament in this last week. Uh, we start in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 21, Mark chapter 14, John chapter 12, and the rest of the entire books except for the last chapter deal with the death, the, the last week and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then the last chapter, not even the whole last chapter, just gives us that 40 days which Jesus appeared. And we'll, we'll try to get into that on next Sunday night and try to finish up our Gospels. Amen. And the, the reason we do this every so often, just take a time to go through all four Gospels, is to uh, let you know that there are no contradictions in our Bible. There are some apparent ones, yeah. Uh, sometimes things are recorded out of order just a little bit. But uh, I will tell you, in visiting with the Marshall family and all the preparations of moving and things and all the memories that are being brought back, I'll tell you what, all the memories aren't in order. Uh, someone says, well, I remember that. And someone says, no, no, it happened this way. Uh, Could we allow for the four gospel messages to have been written by human beings? Amen? Because they were. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. God used their personalities to give us the information in such a way that if you are a believer in Jesus, you're going to know more about Him. If you're not a believer in Jesus, you're going to join in the insanity of the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians, and twist the Scriptures, as Paul said, to their own destruction. You know, we don't have to answer every question of the infidel. The question that we need to answer is, how am I going to live today in the light of what the Bible says, in the light of the life of Jesus Christ? And the point that I tried to make this morning was that Jesus is the perfect example of finding that life the Father has to offer. How did he do it? 
by just obeying the Lord. We can't do what Jesus did. Now, we're not going to preach a sermon on what would Jesus do. No, it's what would Jesus have me do. Amen? How am I going to serve the Lord? Aren't you glad he did all the work? That's why he wasn't included in the story. But what we need to understand is that we need to serve the Lord. The Bible gives us a true and complete, uh, not complete, it gives us everything we need to know and understand about the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just take a moment and pray and then we'll get into our prayer time.